Have you had breakfast yet at this early hour? I, I have. Oh, good. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm a eggs and toast person for breakfast every morning. Nice. What kind and, of toast? Uh, sourdough. Love sourdough. Me too. Do you make it yourself or are you buying it somewhere? No, I'm buying it. <laughs> and it's funny because it feels like bread is now like eight or ten dollars a loaf. What? It's like when did when did bread become eight or ten dollars a loaf? That is nuts. That's not how much it costs in London. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That is nuts. I also buy it. I didn't really get into the whole sourdough making thing through COVID. Did you? No, but I have some very passionate friends that are bread makers. And sometimes at dinner parties, it's like the whole conversation revolves around making bread. And I don't feel like I have anything to contribute. I'm really good at eating bread, but <laughs> yeah, not the... <laughs> Me too. <laughs> okay. Are we ready to get going? Rock and roll. Let's do it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of our podcast, Reimagining Work from Within. I'm coming to you from London today, as usual, and we've got an incredible guest with us today. We are with Jeff Watts. He has spent the last nine years with Amher Sports, five of those years with Arteryx, two years based in Shanghai, leading HR for the Asia Pacific region, and most recently in his current role as the global VP of HR for Wilson Sporting Goods. He attributes much of his HR knowledge to his early career spent at Johnson & Johnson. He believes that making work mean something is a worthwhile pursuit, and that the key to great business results is to have great people, set a clear vision, and then empower them to do their best. He earned a Bachelor of Commerce from the University of Guelph in Ontario and splits his time between Chicago and Vancouver. He's a husband, father, runner, cyclist, and coffee enthusiast. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you so much for being here. What a great bio. <laughs> Thanks for having me. So I'm in London. You are in your early morning in Canada. How are you feeling today? I'm great. I've had my, my eggs and toast. Uh, for breakfast, I've had a couple, actually on my, on my third cup of coffee already. Wow. And it's, uh, yeah, it's 6, 6 a.m. And uh, feeling feeling great. Amazing. Thanks for being so early and getting up so early and being with us. <laughs> Tell us how you came to know Within. I think there's some funny stories that we've got to share with everyone. Yeah, so we have a, a common friend in, in Bev Adfield. And uh, Bev and I ran into each other uh, through marathon training. And this must have been 10 years ago in Vancouver. And when I met Bev, her and her husband were only eating bananas <laughs> for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It was just bananas. And it was every time we would connect on, you know, weekends, we'd go for a race. They would bring just containers full of bananas. And it, you know, it was always amusing and I, I definitely think there's a, a podcast in it for like just to interview Bev just about bananas. <laughs> I can't wait for that follow-up episode. For those who don't know, Bev is one of our within partners based in our Vancouver hub. So thanks so much to her for introducing us because we are really excited to share this conversation with you today with Jeff. But that's such a great story. I talked to her last week and was mentioning that we had this scheduled. And she was like, he is an incredible triathlete. Right. 
you know, so triathlon was a huge part of my life for a long time. I haven't done an Ironman now for seven, seven or eight years. So, but yeah, for five years of my life, it was, you know, major component of my life, you know, 17 hours a week of training. And it was all between, you know, you'd, you'd wake up, you'd go for your swim, you'd, you'd, you know, fuel again, you'd go to work and then you'd have another workout at the end of the day. And it was like that just on repeat every day, week on, week on. Um, it was incredible, but there's no more triathlons in my future. I'm a, I'm a cyclist and runner now and swimming was always something I would work hard at, but just never could find the improvement necessary to really be competitive. Mm, wow. That's commitment though. That's for sure. Is that sort of how that timing maybe lines up a little bit with finding yourself in the sports industry at Wilson or no, is there any connection there? You know, there's actually a direct connection. Someone that I was actually training Ironman with Susan Jelena. She worked with uh, Lululemon and she introduced me to my role there. So yeah, actually a direct connection. Yeah, that brought us to this moment. That's amazing. Love that. I'm really happy to be talking with you because I'm always trying to reconnect to my sports background too. Through college, I worked in the NFL when I was living in the U.S. And I love working with folks that are from kind of the sports and sporting goods community. So I'm super happy that we got introduced through Bev and excited to have you again today. Awesome. All right. We have been talking all about meaningful work. And we thought it was about time to bring this conversation we've been having to our communities. And what I would love to kind of start with is really just asking you, how you lead meaningful work. So how do you inspire people to do the work that's meaningful to them at Wilson? I think it's first important to be really clear as an organization where you're headed. And when you're clear where you're headed, why you exist, what you stand for, it is really easy for employees to want to be part of that and to bring their full selves to work every day to contribute to that purpose. And so I think the, the best thing to do as an organization is to be really crystal clear on what you stand for and, and where you're going. And, and then you'll have people that want to help bring that to life. Fabulous. And I think those, I mean, you're speaking our language, hey, the like clear cultural foundations that people want to get behind is our life's work. And I think it's something um, really important now. And I think part of what the now meaning post COVID and our conversation kind of started with, okay, now you're hybrid. How do you turn back to those cultural foundations that you've got and use them for good? And I think that's where this conversation really started. And today we want to talk about like, how do you and the leaders around you lead meaningful work in a hybrid culture? But do you want to tell us a tiny bit about where you've been, where you were maybe when COVID hit and sort of the journey that you've been on so far? Yeah. So when COVID hit, I was actually in Shanghai when COVID started and was just about to start this new role when COVID started. And I'd really never met any of the, any of the team that I was working with. And so I've actually, you know, started 
in a very remote role right from the beginning and haven't known, you know, working with the team face to face. And it definitely came with its challenges at the beginning, trying to figure out the the way, the way through amongst a lot of, you know, business challenges and, you know, new ways of work challenges. But I can now see how connected we can be with each other in a much more global way than I think ever otherwise was, was possible. And uh, so I, I see a lot of positive coming, coming through this. What are some of those positive things? I know you guys had a huge challenge in front of you. You had 1200 employees that you had to take hybrid. So that was a really challenging time, but what are some of the positives now coming out the other side? Well, for, first I'd say, you know, more than half of our employees didn't go hybrid. So, you know, more than half of our employees remain working in manufacturing settings, warehouse settings. And then we, we actually opened retail during, during the pandemic, our very first retail stores. And, uh, you know, those, those employees have come into work through, through the pandemic and done phenomenal things as, you know, the rest of the world started to work remote. So I think that's the first thing to really name that it's not remote for everyone. For everyone else, it was very new to go from working in the office every day with your friends, your colleagues, and solving problems face-to-face to now figuring out, okay, I need to you know, schedule a, a Teams call with them. I need to call them. I need to... The, the, the way of working became completely different from dropping by someone's desk to get a very simple question answered to feeling like you were interrupting someone in, in, in calling them or scheduling a meeting. And then everyone got into this pattern of like, you know, the whole day was back-to-back meetings, which um, I, I don't know about you guys, but led to a lot of people feeling, you know, really burned out and just, you know, real back-to-back calls. And so we've, we've really had to figure out, you know, some strategies, you know, through that to help employees feel empowered to control their life and make it okay for them to do the things necessary for them to thrive. And, and it's very different from what it used to be. Yeah. I remember during our first conversation, the thing I was, one of the things I was most struck by was this idea of really stepping into human leadership, it sounds like you did. This idea of trust and removing the blockers for your people to do their best and their most meaningful work. So even when the world was upside down, even when all the ways of working were different than you've ever done, it wasn't a cling on to control and, oh no, what are we going to do? It was like, trust, remove the blockers. We trust our people. We know they're going to do great work. Yeah, I read a great article the other day. I can't remember. I need to find the source, but it was talking about two different types of leaders. And, you know, one type of leader is very much, you need to show me exactly what you're doing. I need to watch you work. And then there's another leader that trusts from the beginning and and asks someone what they need in order to do their best work after they've given, you know, clear direction around like, what are we actually trying to achieve? Where are we going? And I think in corporate America, it was much more of type one pre pandemic. Mm. 
And I think the organizations that are thriving now are in the latter group. And I think that is now table stakes. That is, that is the minimum expectation of employees these days. And uh, so, so trust is, trust is required now. It is required. It's probably always been, but you're right. I think things are a little bit different now. And certainly we are so privileged to speak with clients from around the world. It's certainly what the talent of today wants. So if you're coming from that perspective in a very like, that power is in talent's hands right now in a lot of ways. And this is the kind of leadership and the kind of culture they're looking for. Like clear foundations and leaders that trust them to do their very best work. So I agree. That's the that's our that's our new norm, I think, from a leadership perspective. Okay, I want to hear a little bit more about how you've kind of from the leadership perspective used your cultural foundations to start capturing all these stories that are spilling out from people around your your team. Yeah, so about a year ago, we went through a little bit of a journey to unearth get really clear as to our, our purpose, our vision and our values. And it wasn't, it wasn't about reinventing anything. It already existed. We really just found the right words to articulate what people were experiencing. And once we got really clear on that, we were able to, you know, articulate that and share that out with our, with our team members. And, and then over the last year, we've been finding and telling those stories from our from our team and again like those it's all existing like there's nothing really you know you know different or new it's really just being intentional about sharing out what our incredible team is doing on a day-to-day basis and and then just you know really clearly linking it to you know who we are why we exist and, and where we're going and that's 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 very easy because we're all we're all centered in you know creating a better world through sport. That's that's where we're going, and and everyone feels a part of that. Lovely, that's fabulous. All right, so now that you've got this embedded living culture where stories are piling out from everywhere, your people seem to be quite connected to your culture, to each other, to your growth vision. Let's talk a little more about how you're leading now in this time. And we want to take it through a couple of categories. So we've got in our employee experience product, we've got these four lenses. So I've got a couple of questions to take us through each lens. So we'll start with growing. And I'm really curious how, as leaders, you're fostering and supporting well-being now. We talked about that burnout. We're coming into this new way of of living and working post-COVID. So how are you fostering and supporting well-being? So when you get really clear on what you need to achieve as an organization, so, you know, uh, purpose being the, the, the greatest direction that you're, that you're headed. And then when you create goals as, as an organization and objectives as to what you need to achieve, it's about centering everyone's efforts towards that. So we, I will say we create these must win battles. So every, every year, we, we take our strategic plan and we break it down into what must be true in 2022. And, and then we, we break it out by, you know, by, by function, by, by region. And then we, we, we tell those stories 
And so this year, what we actually did, we took, there were 16 different groups and we created three minute videos from each uh, functional leader, each general manager, each regional leader, and each channel leader, and really just ask them three questions. So, you know, what are you, what are you most proud of from, from last year? What do our must win battles mean to you as you look to 2022? And how do you empower every human to live like an athlete, which is our purpose? And uh, it seems really simple, but you think about, you know, 16 really senior leaders within your company sharing this story. And everyone thinks that everyone has all this information across the organization and it's just simply not true. So what this does is it shares all this context to your global workforce about the things that we, you know, just knocked out of the park last year and then real clarity on, on, on where we're going as an organization and, and how, how we need to get there and, and brings our purpose into light from, from their perspective. And it's, it's very simple, but really brought, you know, real clarity across the organization as to, you know, what must be true at the end of the year. And that helps everyone filter away what is not important. So that really clear direction enables each person to look at their own priorities and go, okay, I need to start this, or I need to stop that. I need to continue this. And that is what enables each person to make their own choice as to what matters. And that's really what we need. We need each, each person figuring that out for themselves and that's what will scale. But we need to give that longer term, you know, clarity as an organization. So that's the connection to well-being. It's being clear, having the clarity giving people the must win battles that they need and then allowing them to step into responsibility in this adult culture to make the choices for them individually. That mean they're going to meet the goals of the company and balance and take care of themselves along the way that like extreme focus. Exactly. Because if you don't give them clarity, then people are trying to do so much work that isn't actually working towards the objectives. And, you know, burnout is a much more likely scenario in, in that. And we are not perfect in, in any sense in this, right? It's, it's always a journey around, you know, helping employees feel safe enough to have the conversation with their leader around their priorities. But the, the idea here is that through leaders talking about what's important, it can inspire people to talk about like what's not important and then help get us to a place where each person is finding their own personal balance within, within the, the work of today. Yeah. That's such a great way to think about it from a leadership perspective. It's it starts with the leaders, giving the clarity that the people need your people step into the self-responsibility because they're the only ones who know their capacity, right? They're the only ones who know what they're capable of and what they need. So it's up to them to then step into that action. But then it comes back around to the leaders again to create that safety, to have that two-way conversation about what's possible and for the leaders to really listen and understand and hold the space. Yeah, love that. Great. Okay, let's um, move into staying in like the growth category here. How are you providing meaningful opportunities for growth? 
So I know that at Wilson, you get to kind of lead your own growth, but can you tell us a little bit about how you do that? Yeah, so this year, actually, that's a major priority for us at Wilson. We, we actually just completed our second engagement survey. And one of the top priorities that came out was a sense of employees wanting to know more clearly about what career development can look like at Wilson. Mm. And uh, so we're putting together um, a program right now to, to kind of get after that. And right now it's, it's kind of coming together in two, in two ways. One is embedding this notion of personal responsibility within team members. It is only through your own personal clarity around where you want to go, that someone around you can help you. And if you get clear, when you get clear on where you want to go, people will do incredible things to help bring that to life. I've seen it just over and over in my career and it's a beautiful thing. So that's, that's one. Two, we need leaders within our organization that are able to foster that conversation effectively, which is a skill, right? Having, having a conversation about the you know, hopes and dreams uh, and goals of, of someone when sometimes those goals and hopes and dreams will take them away from the organization. And actually being, being okay with fostering that and caring about the person. Because when organizations create a culture where people care about each other, it actually attracts people that care about people, right? So that, that must be true. And how beautiful to be that place for people. That's beautiful. <laughs> it's it's so true and yeah what, what do you want to be part of right and that's the that's a simple thing to, to think about the third thing is more more experimental and it's it's a job rotation program and for this it's it's very a very specific program where we would and it's still very much in its infancy in terms of what we're thinking but if you picture say 30 people changing jobs maybe two times over the course of a couple of years. And maybe you move someone from marketing to commercial and someone from commercial to sales and someone from sales to operations and, and so on and so forth. And you create this cohort of 30 people that are intentionally rotating throughout different uh, silos, throughout different functions, throughout different teams within the organization. Think about one, the career development that happens for that person, right? And the, the experience that they gain, the, the scope that they obtain. And then you think about the organizational benefit, breaking down these barriers within an organization and, and barriers do exist where it's, I'm, I'm thinking about things from my own perspective and I can't necessarily see your perspective. I'm, I'm struggling to have empathy about what you're going through because I haven't seen it. 
But then all of a sudden we have these people that are embedded in different teams that are able to share those stories about actually like, you know, they're actually worried about that as well. And we can work this out. And, and then you think about what could be true after say five years of doing this program, where maybe we then have 180 people that have done this. And it's not just, you know, a, a US program, it's a global program. And all of a sudden you have people within your organization that understand across the organization. You have people that are able to step up and take on more. And you have people that are so, you know, engaged in developing their own career that they see incredible potential and possibility in the future. So that's, that's where we intend to go. That sounds incredible. And I can really hear the like back to basics of humans, the empathy that gets unlocked through this experimental program. I feel like we need to have a follow-up episode just on how to do a job rotation because <laughs> that's, it's hard to do. Hey, but like, I love your vision of think about meeting rooms in the future when the people who have been through other teams and through other job rotations are sitting in that meeting and bringing back the empathy and bringing that connection back from other teams. It sounds ma like magic. Yeah, but I mean, there, there's going to be lots of barriers that are going to make it really, really hard to, to, to get started, but you know, we're going to, we're going to try and we're going to learn and we'll go sideways if things don't work and we'll try a different angle. And so, well, yeah, we'll, we'll find a way to make it, make it work and really find a way to deliver on what our, what our team members are really asking for. And, and it's more, more investment within career development within our company. Great. So that's growing. Well, let's move into rewarding. So can you tell me a little bit about how you're actually recognizing meaningful work that's happening across the teams at Wilson? So at the beginning of the pandemic, our reward program really didn't, didn't continue. It went a little bit on pause. It was a very Chicago-centric program. And when everyone went remote, keeping that program going definitely felt harder. Once we got really clear on our redefined purpose, vision, and values, it became really obvious that the existing MVP program needed to be expanded. Because it was so narrow and focused on Chicago, one of our values is no outsiders. And it became really clear that actually we, we needed to think about our, you know, 1200 employees around the world and bring this program to them. So we reimagined what the program looked like. And now every quarter we have 10 winners from around the world that are celebrated, celebrated for demonstrating our values and they're, they're nominated by the team. There's a committee of, of the team that is deciding who the winners are. And then we're, we're telling those stories every quarter about, about the winners. And one really interesting thing that I actually, I, I hadn't planned for or expected that actually is maybe one of the most like beautiful things of, of the program is as we're telling the stories, it's the nominators, the person or people that nominated the winners that we're actually using to talk about the winner. So what we're actually doing is we're sharing all of these people's faces or it's all video messages with 
are people around the world. So people are getting exposed to people that they never would have been exposed to, or they're putting a face to a name of someone that maybe they'd you know heard about, but hadn't seen or had never been in a meeting with. So it feels like it's stripping down some barriers of understanding within our organization. And as we do this, you know, quarter on, quarter on, I, th- I think that's going to keep going. Well, the, the understanding, I think, will keep going up, which is, I think, a major benefit that I hadn't expected to come out of the program. Yeah, that's incredible. So I love, first of all, that you're stepping into living your value in such a beautiful way. The, the no outsiders, I love that. But that's such an enormous impact. You're right, because you're creating this like people are feeling valued just because that's the intention of the program. They're feeling recognized for great work. But the sort of beautiful fringe benefit is this global connection that you're creating now. It's not just about Chicago. It's global. People are putting faces to names. You're seeing like the person who's getting nominated and the nominator and hearing about these beautiful stories, just creating this insane connection to each other. And like, honestly, uh, watching, watching the videos, it, it, it actually pulls at the heartstrings because someone is really, you know, someone, someone has felt so strong about nominating someone that they're, you know, they're going to put time, energy, and effort into it. And it means something and watching, watching that moment of them talking about that person in a meaningful way, it's impactful. It's real. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're surrounded by such incredible people at, at Wilson. I'm, I'm very fortunate. Yeah, that's incredible. And I love how there's the impact in the moment, but it also is sort of incentivizing or creating this behavior for everyone in your culture to be looking out for these stories to share. So it's, it's bringing this like self-awareness to it as well, because people are like, right, I know that there's incredible stuff happening around our teams. I want to start looking out for these moments that are worth sharing. So there's also this just like self-awareness benefit that comes maybe without trying to. <laughs> what I'd say about that, Anique, is when you get really clear on where you're going, what you stand for, the stories that come out are just incredible. We, ha- we, have, we have way more stories to share than we have the capacity to kind of translate into a story. We're... We're producing this newsletter now, we call it the W. And we now have this like repository, Molly, our editor, she has this like repository of uh, stories against different themes. And the list is just getting longer and longer and longer of like possible incredible stories for us to share with within our team. It's so fun to be surrounded by that. And people just kind of come out of the woodwork with like, oh, like we did this and we did this. Oh, and did you know about that? And it's, it's, it really is incredible to be able to translate these stories into something that all of our employees across the company are experiencing and aware of because that wasn't happening before. Just people weren't aware of the incredible work and impact that, that our people are having. In, in, in the world. That's fabulous. You're getting us into our next section, which is connected. And the question I kind of had for you there was creating community and belonging for your people. Like you're sort of doing this through your newsletter. And will you tell us the name of your newsletter or maybe the segment, but there was something really connected to your cultural foundations too, right? What was the name? 
Yeah, that's actually it's it's one of the it's one of the segments within the newsletter. So the the newsletter is called the W, and then we have different segment names. And one of the segment names is a better world through sport. And so within each edition, there is a story about you know what someone or a team is doing to create a better world through sport. And and this is where we have like so many so many potential ideas and stories. Uh, to share with the team. That's it's, fabulous. It's and a better world through sport is your vision statement, isn't it? So you're kind of bringing that to life as well. Incredible. That's correct. Fabulous. Yes. Okay. Let's move on to the last category, which is flexible. So now that you've got about half of your people remote, half people in person, flexibility is obviously really important now to people, especially in hybrid cultures. So how are you kind of stepping into flexibility with your people? How are you leading flexibility now with your hybrid culture? Yeah, you know, this one, it, it comes right back to what we were talking about earlier around getting really clear on objectives, getting really clear on priorities, because getting really clear on priorities enables each person to really know, what am I accountable for? What must I take care of? And through the clarity of what they must take responsibility for, they can then design their life according to that to make sure that, you know, they can get that done while also get the other really important things in their life done. And I think, like, I think what can happen and and still does happen is people live in the, the urgent and the not important. And I think organizations that are really creating a great environment for their team live way less in the urgent but not important category. And that can be really hard for for leaders to to operate in, but that That is increasingly, I'd say, like an absolute requirement for great leaders is to be able to, you know, plan effectively such that people know, you know, each day, each week, each month, like what must be true at these, at these intervals for me to do, you know, be considered that I'm doing great work and then, you know, empower the person to, to get that done within, you know, a reasonable time frame. Yeah, that's where the flexibility comes in, doesn't it? It's like, if you're really clear on what the outcomes are and the conditions for success, then you take the flexibility you need in your life, just do the work that's expected of you. And I guess your job as leaders, then it does come all the way back to the beginning. Like we trust you to do that. And we're going to remove the barriers every step of the way for you. It's all connected. It's all, it's all come for full circle for us. Yeah. And, you know, what's so important is that someone feels able when they feel over capacity that they can knock on their leader's, you know, door, their virtual door and say, Hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm over capacity. I I need some help. I've, I've thought about this and, you know, this is the thing I think, I think must be done, but I, I, I'm, I'm not able to commit to getting these other, you know, these other things done. Can we, you know, can we renegotiate and, you know, come to, come to an agreement that is, you know, reasonable and achievable and, and focused on, 
you know, on our objectives. It is only when employees don't feel like they can have that conversation and have it go well that an organization en masse starts to move towards burnout. Yep. I completely see that. Like that's such a skill for leaders to work on is creating the safe space for people to be able to come and have that conversation. Because sometimes even without that conversation, you don't see the barriers in place anyways. So how can you as a leader remove them if you haven't worked on creating a safe space for your people to come to in the first place? Yeah. Fabulous. It's all come full circle. Great. Any other gems or pearls of wisdom you want to leave for our leaders and what it takes to kind of lead a culture with meaningful work today too early for gems. No, there's some, there's something about trust. I think a lot of our conversation today is, you know, really, really talked about trust and Nick and it's, it's maybe like the, you know, the, the most important thing within, you know, relationships is, is trust and when you have it, it feels like you can do anything because you feel like someone or people have your back. So, you know, if you fall down, if you make a mistake, you know, no one's going to judge you. People are going to help pick you up. People are going to help you learn from it. And that, that when there's trust, it's beautiful. And I truly believe that in the absence of trust, high performance in teams is impossible. I would totally agree with that. I was just listening last week to Brene Brown's latest episode of her Daring to Lead podcast. And she was speaking with this woman, Dr. Linda Hill, and it was all about creating cultures of innovation and performance and how there's a little bit, it's a different thing you have to incentivize in terms of human connection to create this culture of performance and innovation. And so much of it has to do with trust. And you're right, when it does, that is when magic happens. And it's super interesting. Like they talk a lot about it from the leader's perspective of it not necessarily being that you have a vision to follow because innovation happens when there's no vision. You don't know exactly where you're going, perhaps. You've got your why, but leaders have trust in themselves and their people that they're going to get where they're going, even though they don't quite know where that is. And there's trust when we have a purpose. We know why we're doing this, that I trust us to come up with incredible ideas and to chase these amazing ideas that we've got and move towards innovation and performance. So it works in sports. It works in, in tech and startups and innovation spaces. And it's important in every organization, really. I think you're right. When there's trust, that's when magic happens. 100%. Fabulous. All right, Jeff, thank you so much for this conversation. It's been great for me. It's been super energizing for me today, and I'm really grateful to have you here. It's been fantastic. Thanks so much for having me today. Yeah. Okay, let's wrap up taking another page out of Brene Brown's book with our rapid fire round. So I'll <laughs> ask you a set of questions here, and if you can just, whatever comes to mind first, Tell us all about it, okay? Okay. All right. First question. What three words would you use to describe workplace culture that you would like to lead? Real, positive, purposeful. Fabulous. What three words would you use to define the future of work? Different, global, and connected. Fabulous. 
feel like all of us are always defining the future of work. It's so intangible and it's so fun how the definition changes for everyone. I love it. Okay, from our eight essential leadership qualities, what one quality is your superpower or your strength? There's two that really jump out, but I'm going to go with conviction. Okay, tell us a little bit about why. As a leader, something I'm particularly strong at is getting behind an idea and and bringing it to life despite obstacles along the way and it can feel really hard at times when it just even just the sense of it feeling hard it makes it it would make it really easy to go okay let's not let's not do that but it is only through a deep sense of conviction that you can sometimes do work that matters because people can't always see the vision that you can see to to bring something to life so i would yeah conviction has been really helpful for me in my life and my career love that thank you for sharing that story that's great okay from those same qualities what one quality is your stretch area or your development area as a leader patience Mm. why is that i can i can i can push really hard sometimes as a leader i see so much possibility in creating the future and sometimes it's really hard for me to wait for that and so that can be that can sometimes be hard on 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 people around me and what i've what i've attempted to do to shore that up is to communicate clearly to people that this is something that i'm working on and and that i want to and expect to be held accountable for that and to just bring it bring it to the forefront to help me because i i don't i don't want to push overly hard so i think yeah it's conviction playing off of patience Yeah. Funny how they're sort of connected in a way, aren't they? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Okay. What's your most treasured spot outside of work? Out on my bike. I get into like a flow state of just my brain empties and a smile comes to my face and it really is beautiful. Love that. So it's no actual one spot. It's just the flow state on the bike, no matter where you're riding to. Hey. (laughs) Yeah. You know, in in particular, maybe the spot is if you can picture, you know, a a pace line. So other riders riding quickly together and the, the margin for error is very low because you're very close to each other but you trust each other so much because you ride together that you know exactly where the wheel in front of you will go and trust that the person behind you will know where your wheel will go. So even, you know, despite the focus of being in that moment, everything like my brain is empty. It feels so good. That is incredible. I would like to do experience that someday. That sounds amazing. Okay. Is there a person or a brand that you'd like to shine a light on today? 
you know, I, I, I was exposed when I, when I did some work on purpose and culture for Arteryx, I met with Rafa and the founder of Rafa, Simon Matram, and their purpose as an organization is to make cycling the most popular sport in the world. And I could see and hear and understand that like, that is what they were up to. And I found that really deeply inspiring. And I, I keep coming back to them. I, I keep thinking about them often, actually. I, I find what they're up to quite inspiring. Mm, lovely. That's a great one. Okay. The toughest of them all. If you had to pick one song that represented who you are as a leader, what would it be? So it's it's a band called Elderbrook. Do you know Elderbrook? No, I'm not familiar. No, they have a song that's called Cola. And a friend of mine put, put me on to them, cycling friend. And it has a beat to it. And there's maybe two things. One is it's like a song in the pandemic that I've really fallen, you know, I, I've used a lot. And then the second thing is just the beat of that song as you're running just makes you go faster. So every time I listen to that song, it brings a smile to my face. My, I think my, my wife doesn't ever want to hear that song again because <laughs> it's like at the start of every playlist, but yeah, it's a favorite. I love that. I love how a song could like place you in a time and a space and has just so much meaning and connection that some people grow to hate it. <laughs> but for you, I've got a couple of songs like that on my running playlist too. That's like always my warm up, always the one you run home to, all of that. So that means a lot to me. <laughs> Fabulous. Well, thank you so much for this. This was an incredible conversation. Lovely to hear your story. I've really genuinely enjoyed getting to know you over the last few weeks. And I'm really happy that we got to share your story with our communities. Anika, it was great to connect with you today. Thank you so much. Thank you. More soon. Can't wait to do the follow-up episode on the uh, job share. That's happening. Let's do it. <laughs> great. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thanks for listening to Reimagining Work From Within. We release episodes every other week and you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts.